0: Good morning. Good, morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. I expect a little more, you got an hour extra. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Alright. I want you to uh, continue to bring um, the enthusiasm that one extra hour of sleep should bring. Um, for those of you that have kids, that was a joke. You didn't get any extra sleep. No one I don't I don't fully understand daylight savings time. I don't pretend to understand it. I don't complain when I get an hour. I, I get mad when I lose an hour. But it doesn't matter because no one's explained it to kids. And it, it's a moot point. But I am thankful that you're here. I'm also thankful every Sunday that we have a, a worship team that faithfully leads us in just the corporate worship of Jesus Christ. So the worship team you see behind us uh, is comprised uh, solely of, of volunteers. Um, you ha- you have everyone up there from from Hillary having a full time job from from, from David having a full-time job, from, from Jeremy having a full-time job, uh, and, and Catherine's on staff and Mary to Bear. There's a lot of different struggles uh, that everyone has to, uh, to go through. Um, and, and they come up each morning, each Sunday morning, and just to hear them practice, to hear where they are uh, with these songs, what they mean to them, it is beautiful. They, I think that some of the best worship that, that Trinity Church has, has ever been a part of has been at the, 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 the hands of the volunteer Horsekeeping. So I never want you to lose sight of the fact that there are men and women up here that live life with you that are in shoulder and shoulder to shoulder working for the cause of Christ. They did before you. So I don't want to. I want to always take time to point out how thankful I am for that group and how that kind of dedication, that kind of service, is contagious. It reminds me of what I believe the the beginning church looked like an acts when people just got together and it was all hands on deck and what I love about planning a church uh is that we don't work unless it's all hands on deck there's no scenario where uh we 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 function well our ministries are robust as they are and we don't have as much success as, as God has blessed us with without each and every one finding their niche finding where God has called them and then simply saying yes um uh, a little bit of a transition, I want to thank you from uh, the Roundtree family. Last Sunday, y'all threw us a, a diaper shower, um, and we are really thankful for the diapers, we're really thankful for the support. Uh, this may be the last Sunday we see you for a little while, depending on what Levi has in store for us, but we're really excited to how you always come uh, alongside us. We started, when, we, when I first came to Trinity Church, um, we were really in, in, the, in the throes of infertility and how how so much of we had launched so much of our identity and so much of our our family plan into uh the desire to have a kid and and you saw that um at that point that 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 valley of our life that you rallied around us then and and i i am always humbled by the fact that i know the people in this room are going to rally despite you're going to rally around us when um when we have a miscarriage and when our family is not, is not our plan, but, it, but it's not following uh, our timeline. Uh, and, and you rallied around us and you loved us through that. And, and just in God's complete blessing and plan, you're also rallying around our third child. I'm really excited to have two in diapers at the same time, so the diaper shower uh, was felt and it was needed. Um, But Trinity Church has been blessed with kids, and I don't I don't take that lightly. Like there's there's sometimes more more kids downstairs, and there are adults in here, and that's a beautiful thing. Uh, and it also helps me refocus every Sunday this this study has been really hard I don't know uh, if y'all have felt that from the pastoral uh, standpoint but for me and Jamin uh, we, we've sat down before and we said, we, we've joked that man Hebrews was such a good idea this time last year but how it, it, it is taxing because it's so beautiful and it's so true and it's so foundational that the importance and the weight of what Hebrews is teaching this congregation and what we need to teach our congregation is felt I know I know uh, week in and week out, I've never put more emphasis on trying to convey what God's put on my heart to the corporate medium uh, through this study of Hebrews just because we're, we're walking through weighty text, We're walking through important text. There is no text that uh, can be misinterpreted or misconceived, that wouldn't vastly affect your daily theology. Your daily walk with Christ is flushed out in these first few chapters of Hebrews. And and when I was going through all this with the weight of Hebrews and the the thankfulness of, of a diaper shower, it clicked and it said, we're not here learning for the sake of knowledge but we're learning so we can be individually, progressively sanctified by Jesus Christ because that is how we are going to lead the people downstairs to the throne of Christ. It first starts with an individual progressive sanctification through studying, and that will absolutely pour over in, into your marriage and, and into your life and into how you raise your kids and how you, how you interact with your co-workers, how you love on your family. All of that is, is derived from what we're learning in Hebrews because at the end of the day, one of, if not the most important thing I can do as a father is, is to become the person that God's called me to be and hopefully that spews over in my son and my daughter and my son calling Christ King. So every time that we walk through the scriptures and it may get weighty and it may get heavy, I want us to always reflect on why we are here. We are intentionally studying Hebrews not for academic knowledge, but that we may go closer closer and closer to Christ. That we may call him king. that, That the fact that Christ is supreme is something that's so ingrained in the marrow of who we are that every word we say, every step we take in our life spews the supremacy of Christ. Last week we saw that Christ was supreme to Moses and that Moses was a stud. Moses was a man who followed God's call. Moses was a person who delivered Israel from the bondage of Egypt. But all Moses simply was was a faithful steward of God's will. Moses was a worker inside the house that God created. We saw the writer of Hebrews lay out this beautiful imagery of a home and how we are inside God's home. We are God's home, but God is the creator. And we can never confuse the creator with the creation and that Moses is someone to be revered and respected but all he is is a faithful servant and we are called to follow in those footsteps of the faithful servants before us that have paved the way for us to continue the call of Christ, continue the work of Christ. Last week we we, we talked about the supremacy of Christ and there's going to be weeks coming in the future. Uh, The supremacy of Christ is, is a theme that we will always come back to in Hebrews and in life. But this week, we're going to to specifically look at what it is to have a hardened heart and how heart disease can can pull us from understanding true theology and that heart disease can pull us away from the truth that is the supremacy of Christ. And ultimately, if our heart is hardened and we don't believe the truth that we profess to believe, that the rest that is promised to us will never be enjoyed. That we, as the believers and followers of Jesus Christ, are promised a rest promised a peace that is beautiful and is God ordained but if our heart is hard and we do not believe the truths that we say we believe we will never experience that rest and we're going to end today understanding that each and every person on this earth is yearning for that rest whether they know it or not whether they know what that rest actually is or who can give it to them or what it means they're yearning for For That rest we walk our life. We walk through our lives looking at people who are devoid of truth and they're yearning for something and they're not whole and that whole is the rest that comes from the salvation of Jesus Christ. We're going to to look at what it means to have that peace and that calm come over our body. We're going to read today in Hebrews 3 verses 7 through 9. I want you to stay seated. It's a little longer passage. Then, then we usually cover, and we won't, just because of its length, we won't be able to work word for word um, just for time's sake, but I want you to have it up. I don't care if it's on your phone. I know, I've been <laughs> painted. I've been painted as, uh... Uh, I guess an old school guy that I want you to have the sovereign word of God in your hand, um, preferably leather bound and, and, and colored in black. But that's, that's not who I am. All, all scripture in all mediums, as long as it is true, it is profitable. And I mean that. Um, it just denotes how, how serious you are about your walk. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I know sometimes I play to my own strength. So I know that if I have my phone out you may be disciplined enough to feel like this is, I'm, I'm only in the Bible app right now. But me, I'm thinking, and I'm, my brain's working so quick, it's like, hey, who won the fight last night? <laughs> I mean, I got games starting at 11. Is this, is a, 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 what, kind of, what kind of point system are we going? Like, that's my baggage that I bring to you sometimes. I don't care if you're grabbing the Bible next to you. I don't care if you're on an app. I don't care if you're in here. As long as we are just reading and professing the Word of God, I don't care what you are doing. All right. Chapter 3, verse 7. Have grace on me. This is not part of scripture. Have grace on me. This is really hard to read. ESV, particularly for this passage, uh, has been uh, kicking me pretty hard. Uh, I practiced a lot standing up in my, my kitchen last night, and I'm not sure how, but have grace. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as it is in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my words for 40, my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. Verse 11. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, for you have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold to our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as it is in the rebellion. Verse 16. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses, and with whom they provoked for 40 years? Was it not with these who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness, and to whom did he hear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Amen. Let me pray over us, and we're going to dive in. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the word um, and the truth. God, I pray that we would, we would look into our hearts and that we would, we would establish a baseline of health, that we would be honest with what we see, that we would read your scripture and know that it is true, that we would walk in its truth, and we would call you king. Amen. All right. So what we see here is we have a, we have a comparison. So last week we went verses one through six, and then this week is going to finish out chapters three, and they're really connected. And you're going to see this a lot as we teach. Um, we did as best we could that if, if 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 the the teacher began the chapter, he's going to try to end the chapter because a lot of these chapters are one large sentence that are interconnected with their themes and with their message. So. Um, Last week, we saw that Moses was a stud, right? He was a stud, and... He, he did a lot of important things for the nation of Israel, but the thing that probably he gets the most credit for is that he led Egypt out of slavery. He led Egypt, or sorry, he led Israel out of Egypt and they were in slavery. So he led them out. He was God's promised deliverer uh, through ten plagues, uh, through through the, the parting of the Red Sea. The nation of Israel led, uh, left 400 plus years of slavery by the hands of the Egyptians and, in, and into what was going to be the promised land. So God had promised them the land of Canaan. God's promised Israel uh, his people, and and through that promise and through the establishment of what Moses was going to build out in the structural uh, beginnings of the nation of Israel, they were going to be his people. They were going to find his rest. But then we quickly see um, that that the nation of Israel failed to enter that rest immediately because of their hardened heart, because of their unbelief, because of their rebellion at the beginning in, in chapter seven uh, of the verse seven and chapter three, we see this reflection of psalm ninety five uh, verses seven through nineteen where they talk about this this hardening of the heart through the rebellion, and how the people who who led who left egypt. Um, And these these Israelites uh, had, had seen some wondrous works, right? They had seen the ten plagues. They had seen Moses through the power of God spread uh, the, the, the Red Sea and walk on dry land. They had seen wonder after wonder, pomp and circumstance. They had seen all these beautiful things. And when it came to the precipice of entering the land of Canaan, uh, they got scared and disbelief. And we saw disbelief after disbelief. We saw all wonderful and powerful movements and miracles of God then followed up with Israel's hardened heart and disbelief. And and you see this time where at one point Moses goes up on the mountain Sinai and, and he's gone for a few Days and a few weeks, and they immediately turned back to idolatry, or or he led them to the the, the literal uh, geographical border of Canaan, this, this 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 land that flowed with milk and honey that they were promised, but there were some giants on this land, and they didn't want to go. They said, yes, yes, I know God's promised us this land, I know God's promised to be our God and to hear us, but there's giants on this land, and we don't want to go in it because if you go to war with giants, you lose, and it's this this paradoxical truth that we see throughout the Old Testament that they, they saw the wonders, and they believed in the academic knowledge of God, but they had no faith in that god they knew that he could turn the nile full of blood they knew that locusts could reign they know that the firstborn of every egyptian household could die but they didn't trust god for the next step all they all they believed was the current awe and wonder that was before their eyes they believed what they could see in that moment that they had no faith for the future they said hey i know that, that moses had done all these things but he's gone up and to talk to god on mount sinai hey build me an idol or, hey, I know God has, has promised us and become and has made true everything he's ever said, but I don't know if he can deliver us from these giants. And it's, it's, it's this huge paradox of, of weak faith and hardened hearts. And the more you study the Bible, the more you, you kind of feel sorry for Israel because Israel is humanity. The more you study the Bible, you, you don't really poke fun at Israel. You don't really poke fun at the disciples because their human weakness reigns out in us every day. How many times has God promised you something, he's delivered you throughout your entire life, and he's promised a new, beautiful uh, frontier for you, but you're scared of the proverbial giants that lay ahead because you don't think God can slay those giants. He's led you out of everything he's ever done. He's brought you out of the wilderness in your life, but you don't think he can handle what's ahead because you're scared and your faith is weak and your heart is hard. And that's where we find Israel. So when we start verses in 7, there's this, there's this psalm that's saying, because of their hardened hearts, they were led to the wilderness. Uh, the nation of Israel was led to the wilderness because of their disbelief in God's ability to deliver them. And then that generation of hardened hearts, that generation of Israel that did not believe, that, that, that turned to idolatry, all died in the wilderness. Every one of them fell, except for the ones that were faithful and believed in God. And then ultimately they, they entered in, to God's promised land and into his rest. But what he is saying is there's this unintentional or, or subtle comparison to Moses' followers from last week where they're saying, you were promised everything and you believed in nothing. And because of that, you're going to wander in the wilderness. And some of us are in the wilderness today. Some of us right now are in the wilderness of pain and sorrow because of our lack of faith and because of our disbelief and because of our hardened hearts. And, and there's this exhortation, there's this caution to the followers of Christ saying don't make the same mistakes of your brothers and sisters of Israel. Don't make the same mistakes of the people who also called Christ king because their hearts turned and they're hardened and we don't want that today. So the writer of Hebrews is telling his congregation be on guard. Look out for what can cost you your life. Look out for your hardening of heart. This heart disease that can control everything. And then we're going to camp out here, but in Hebrews 3, verses 12 and through 14, he kind of gives a how-to on how to guard and prevent, how to how to prevent heart disease and how uh, to stop heart disease if it's already setting in. I'm going to reread it. It says, take care, brothers, lest any of the Pause, breathe. <sighs> yeah, I get amped. I haven't even started yelling or crying yet. Take care brothers lest there be in any of you evil unbelieving hearts leading you to fall away from the living God but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin for we have come to share in Christ and if we need and if we Indeed, hold to our original confidence firm to the end. So he's saying there's not just this foregone conclusion that if you're human, you're going to have a hardened heart and then you can't enter the rest and that you can't experience what God's promised. He's saying there are ways to fight against this. God has equipped us, God has sustained us, and he has given us the helper of the Holy Spirit, and he's imploring us, to, to use those but it's not just going to happen organically that we have to actually live out our faith God has called us to live a manner of life that is worthy of the gospel of Christ and there are ways that we do that there's two ways specifically that we're going to touch on today the first one is going to be just a continual checkup to, to take care Because the heart disease is prevalent. When you see at the very beginning of verse 12 where it says take care, it's talking about a self-examination. You have to understand and look into the truth of your heart where you are today. So heart disease is real, right? Um, heart, the hardening of heart, the heart disease that we're talking about um, uh, keeps us from God's promises. And, and the beautiful thing, so we can understand it, that spiritual heart disease and physical heart disease, it, it looks the same and acts a lot the same. The heart controls everything that we do. You see, it, you see it used in scripture a ton. You see it in the Shema where it says, with all your heart. Because the, 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 the human anatomy is designed to function really around the heart. Everything the heart does, the body Follows, and same with your spiritual heart. As your spiritual heart goes, so does your body and your spiritual life. And so, as your physical heart goes, so does your physical life. And, and heart disease is something very, very intimate and near and dear to my life um, because I've seen the pains of heart disease uh, my entire life through my father. So, my father was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy, which is a disease of the heart, in 1996. Um, and from the day he got this disease in his heart, his entire life changed. And, and you see how important a healthy heart is because it, it, it's septic to the rest of the body. So in 1996, he became sick, and I, I, I genuinely, all, all of my memories that I have from that time on are him just fighting for his life and his fighting for his right to live. So that turned into to rapid weight gain, it turned into diabetes, it turned into a lot of his other vital organings beginning to shut down, um, and, and the, the man's a fighter, the, man, the man's still here with us today, many of you have seen him, um, but uh, the man's planned his funerals more time than he can count. Uh, uh, we joked that Baylor should change his name to Roundtree Memorial Hospital for how much money the Roundtree family owes to Baylor. And we're not paying. Um, and, I mean, no, we don't want to. She's not there. Um, uh, that sounded really, you should pay your debt. So, uh, I'm just saying, anyways. So in 2016, uh, uh, God blessed him uh, with a heart transplant. And it, it was night and day change for his body. Uh, because what was causing so much havoc and what was really uh, tearing down every limb of health in his body immediately changed when a new heart came in. And that new heart... Um, has really given him a new lease on life, no pun intended. Now, he is still dealing with the pains of having a really bad heart for so long that tore down his other organs, but his heart is doing great. Um, But it's still a, a, a fight. So from 2016, he's had 17 surgeries. Um, he, he's, he's, he was in 2016, he was in uh, Baylor 105 plus days. Uh, we, we've spent our life, I know Baylor really well, I can show you where to get the good coffee. Um, but th- there's this understanding that everything that has to do with your health arrives around the heart. And, and you can see that in the human anatomy. Nothing kills more people in America than heart disease cancer, all, all of these horrible diseases add up to a, a firm second behind the heart because the, where the heart goes, uh, so our, our health is tied to it. So it's important that we do self examinations It's important that when they say, take care, that you actually do it and that you actually uh, are honest with yourself. I know some of us just don't go to the doctor. Um, I, I was that guy for a long time. I was that guy until my dad really just scared me into like, hey, I need to get ahead of some of these things. Um... We, 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 we're scared of what we may find. Uh, we don't want to go to the doctor, but we'll, or we'll go to the doctor, but we'll withhold hold information. And we do that spiritually. We don't want to sit down and open this book, or we don't want to bend our knee and pray to God because we are terrified of the truth that lays within us. We're, we're scared of what may need to get cut out. We're scared of what may need to be cut off or transplanted. We're scared of what the truth of our actual heart is. Um, or, or we'll go to the doctor and we'll say, I'm ready for a checkup. I'm ready for you to see um, 94% of me. I'm, I'm ready for you to see everything. I, I'm going to lay bare except for that 5%, that 6% that I'm not telling anyone. And, and that's, that's, that's the quickest way to a, a slow drift to heart disease because 99% accountable in your spiritual life is not accountable. 99% of anything is is a false community. It's a false truth. It's a false, a false uh, accountability group where where your heart can lay bare and your heart can look fine and your heart can say the right words and we can come to Sunday with our Sunday best and our TCOC sweatshirts and everything looks great because those sweatshirts look great. But everything's dark on inside. Everything's decaying. We're in need of, of bypass after bypass. So, so I implore you to take care for you to actually be honest with yourself so people can be honest with you. You need the support. You need the accountability that comes with truth-bearing of your heart. You need someone in your life that has the sit-down-and-shut-up card. Who, has, who knows what I'm talking about? Who in your life right now and I'm not talking about you You have a group of uh, bros or a group, a group of girlfriends that really hit you up with the truth as long as they don't cross that one line. I'm talking about someone in your life that will say, sit down and shut up. Because that is vital for spiritual health. I I uh, I, I yearn for that kind of accountability. I yearn for that kind of thing. I have a guy that I work with um, that... Uh, I that is that person for me um, as far as uh, he has no problem pulling punches. Do you have that person? Do you know what I'm talking about? Where to the point where you're like, I can't decide if I should cry and hug you or if we should fight. And it's like a, like a, it's, it's a razor-thin line um, to the point or he's had some hard conversations of late, of, some, of sitting down and saying like, hey, here's the top ten reasons I think you're, stri- you're tripping. Uh, this is the top ten tripping I'm better, I'm better than that. Uh, here's the top ten. That's like circa 02. I like that. Uh, here's, the top, here's the top reasons where I think you're slipping. and This is where I think uh, your pride or, your, or your, your anger, your aggression, your desire to de- be the best is taking a hold of you and it's making you a bad person. You have to have that. The second way to, to fight the hardening of your heart, the second way to, to fight heart disease is constant encouragement. You see, uh, when it says extort in verse 13, but it says extort one another every day. Exhort, not extort. Don't extort anyone. (laughs) Um, That is a horrible, horrible translation of that particular word. Uh, No, verse 13 says, exhort exhort, uh, one another every day every day and what that means is an aggressive encouragement a strong encouragement so once you've established that you have to take care and that you've opened yourself up to community you've opened yourself up to accountability whether that be an individual or a group you have as the people of that community you have to encourage you have to pray you have to come alongside no matter where they are because we have this falsity in our lives that people are going to come alongside of us once we pull ourselves out of the valley That we don't want any of our friends down in the valley with us because they're going to see the muck and the dirt. We want them to come alongside us once we get to the mountaintop, and then we're just going to frolic. There's this, we're going to skip and sing, and it's going to be beautiful. But that's false community. That's what Satan wants. Satan wants you to stay in the valley by yourself, pretending that your heart's not dying, and the hope that everyone around you just watches you crumble. But the reality of Christian biblical community is, no, we want to get dirty with you. We're going to say, it is Oh. to be broken you just can't stay there and we're going to come alongside you and pull you out that's what biblical community is and here's something that I learned it took me forever to actually grasp is that if you are thinking about diving into biblical community here at Trinity Church or you're going to look for it somewhere else that's exactly the lie that Satan has because biblical community is not found in church it is forged in church You're not going to come here and just find magical biblical community or accountability. You're going to come here and you're going to help us forge it. You're going to be a part of it because we can't usher you into biblical community if you're not halfway there already taking self-care. If you're not here saying, I want to be truth, I want to be the person that God's called me to be, and I can't be that without laying myself bare to this group knowing that we are not perfect. We are going to let you down. We are, going to, we are going to be broken people because we are broken people, but we are all broken people locking an arm and saying we're going to do life together. We're going to do everything we can to make sure that you don't laugh, you don't laugh by yourself and you don't cry by yourself. That's biblical community. Biblical community, when Paul writes that we're going, to, we're going to rejoice with those who rejoice and we're going to cry with those who cry, that is the foundation and DNA of Trinity Church Oak Cliff. I have laughed with all of you. I have bawled with all of you. And that's how I know that God has ordained us as a church in Oak Cliff. That we're not just some fly-by-night community that thought it would be a good idea to sing and for me to yell at you. But that we're the real deal that God has called us to answer. And for God has called us to change Oak Cliff and to change Dallas to the biblical community that we are promised. But you have to take that step. You have to be honest with yourself and say, my heart can't function by itself. My life in isolation can't function by itself. I've been called to be a part of something bigger than myself. I've been called to be a part of God's holy church. And some of you are saying, I want this, I want this, I want this, but I don't know how to pray for my brother. I don't know how to be there for my brother. I don't know what he needs. I don't know what I can do for her. And, and, And I simply answer that with pray for obedience. This church is is completely functioning, uh, powerful, hands and feet of Christ today. If every other person in this room prays for every other person, just walk in obedience. Obedience gets you here every Sunday. Obedience gets your, your, your kid memorizing scripture down the hall every Sunday. Obedience makes you wake up early and come to men's Bible study. Obedience makes you to orchestrate your life that you can make it to women's Bible study. Obedience says, I'm, "No matter what my schedule throws at me, I'm going to find myself in biblical community. I'm going to find myself in the family group because that's what God wants me. And what Satan wants me to do is to find myself in isolation. Wants to find an excuse not to be here. Wants to find a reason to go that road on your own." So I pray today that this room is filled and just blanketed with a desire for an obedient step. Because that's where it starts. A lot of times we want to say, we want the end result. We want to be this powerful Christian that just blurts out, memorized scripture, and that walks along and just encourages everyone. And that's the ultimate goal. But today it's just the first step of obedience. The first step for you to being honest with your heart. The first step for you to actually be the person God's called you to be. And the, first per, the first step for you encouraging people through the biblical community is obedience. Obedience to God's truth. Obedience to God's word. And here's the thing. If you hear what I'm saying and you've already made excuses for why you're not, you're losing the battle. You have to be honest with yourself. And that's scary because then you're going to have to look in the mirror and you're going to see something you may not like. You may have to look in the mirror. You may have to look at your wife or your husband or your kids and see something that you don't like because of something you've done. And you're never too far gone to find the rest. And like I said, we're going to end with the understanding that we are yearning for that rest. The thing that you think it is wrong with you is nothing other than you are not finding the rest of God. You're not finding... The peace of God. I don't know where all of you are specifically struggling. But I know that if you're a child of God, that the struggles will come because Satan's going to battle and rage war at you. Because the worst thing that can happen for the cause of Satan is for this church to flourish. The worst thing that Satan, that can happen to Satan, is for you to be a light in the darkness of your work, or for you to be the man of God that God's called you to be, or for you to be the woman that God's called you to be. All of those things are counter uh counter-insurgent to what Satan wants. So I know this. I know that this, that Satan's going to do everything he can to attack your heart. He's going to do everything he can to attack your walk. Because he wants the opposite of what God has called us to do, which is to walk together for the cause of Christ and to rest in a peace that we've been yearning for since the day we were born. Since the day we were born, we were born into exile and we've been yearning to get back to the garden. And that peace is promised and that peace will pass understanding. And we are yearning for that peace. And I pray that that peace finds you. I pray that that calm finds you and that your heart is healthy and yearning to do the will of God. Let me pray over us. I'm always thankful to be able to stand before you. I'm always honored to dive into God's word for you. I'm going to pray over us. The band's going to come over and we're going to finish with a song. I pray that today and this week is marked with honesty. If you're in a horrible place, then be honest with yourself that you're in a horrible place. If you're in a great place, come alongside someone that's in a horrible place and say, I know how to get you to where you want to go. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the time we have. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your direction thank you for the honesty that is our hearts are easily hardened but thank you for the options and 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 the sustaining help of taking care and exhortation god i pray that we wouldn't lie to ourselves i pray that if we look in the mirror and we see a broken broken person that we would we would cling to you and we would run to your community I pray that if we're in that community and we see the brokenness, that we would engulf that brokenness and say, you're not leaving. I don't care if it's hard. I don't care if it's messy. I don't care if it's nasty. You're not leaving. God, I pray all these things in your name for your way. Amen. Amen.